Thank you for listening to this selection from bradhambrick.com. Brad serves as pastor of counseling at the Summit Church in Durham, North Carolina, and is excited to produce resources that equip believers and resource churches to care well for one another in their community. We pray that this serves you well, and we hope that you'll consider utilizing other resources from bradhambrick.com for your personal growth and ministry endeavors. So let's go to our third step, uh, to understand the origin and motive and history of my anger. It, and this is kind of a downer, uh, but I think if we're honest, this step is not going to quite be as satisfying as we want it to be. Because what we want is if we understand why, we want the what and how to be easy, or at least easier. And we think if if the what and the how is not easy, then I must have the wrong why. Well, I think there's at least two reasons why that logic doesn't work as much as it appeals to us. One, all sin is irrational. It just, sin refuses to play by the rules of logic. And secondly, our goal has to be the effectiveness of change, not the ease of change. So Leslie Vernick again, she says, understanding ourselves doesn't simply mean getting in touch with our feelings, whatever it is that that means. Uh, It also involves becoming aware of the thoughts behind the feelings. There's something that we want, that we're after, that, uh, that we're interpreting our situation and recognizing the lies that we tell ourselves that feel so true. And so I think when we're asking the why question of anger, maybe the best passage to go to Uh, is James 4, where James asked the question. I mean, he's talking to a group of believers that if you look back at the beginning of James 1, these are not rookie believers. This is not the rebel squad. These are all-stars. These are people that if they had to choose between leaving their homes or denying Christ, they left their homes. Because in James 1, 1, it says he's writing to the Christians who were dispersed. Dispersed by persecutions. So they had this level of faith and commitment to Christ that says, I choose Christ over my home. But life is hard. And so James has to ask them the question, what is it that causes fights and what causes quarrels among you? Um, You know, I've heard back from you guys. You guys are not doing well. You are sniping and bickering. And, you know, he uses the metaphor of murder there. It's like you're just killing one another. Um, And he says, is it not this? That you want something bad enough that you don't have? Uh, I mean, human motivation kind of boils down to we do what we do to get what we want. And that's simple, but it doesn't have to be simplistic. One plus one equals two is simple. But it is the basis for the most advanced calculus that exists. And so when we say, okay, human level, what, what is that core part of motivation? We do what we do to get what we want. Uh, Paul Tripp takes us on a bit of a journey there. Uh, He gives us a six-stage journey. We'll truncate it here in a moment, but I think it's helpful to hear the larger journey. He says, our desires battle for control until they become a demand. And then that demand 
is expressed and usually experienced uh, as a need. Uh, My sense of need sets up my expectations. Expectations, when unfulfilled, lead to disappointment. Disappointment leads to some kind of punishment. Uh, And so he's kind of tracking that James 4 pattern. I think we can maybe make it a little simpler and just say, um, desire, demand, judge, punish. There's something that I want, and usually it's good. And the word that James used here, if you want to go back and be a Greek nerd and that kind of stuff, when, when James writes, he doesn't use the word for desire that we would take as lust. He uses the more generic, neutral word for passion. Because it's usually not bad things that we get angry about. We don't get mad because I want to rob a bank and you won't let me. Um, it's some good thing that becomes a demand. I think I can't live without it. I begin to call it a need. And if you don't cooperate real fast and in a hurry, you're bad, you're mean, you're cruel, you're insensitive. I begin to evaluate you in such a way that I can dismiss you. And I feel okay about punishing you. And you look here, the, you know, just a list of the kind of desires that, that come up, and all of them good things, and they're part of living in a broken world. And one of the questions we might ask is, how do these kinds of desires interact with our physical body? And so let me tell you a story that I think captures that uh, hopefully pretty well. Uh, when my wife and I lived down in Georgia, uh, we had our boys were really young. They were probably like three and one at that stage. And uh, we were out in the backyard. We were going to dig a little bit of a garden. We were going to plant pumpkins so we could have those for Halloween. Uh, we had two dogs, and they were like, finally, a game we understand. Digging. Um, and so we were, uh, you know, digging there, and the, you know, the dogs would come over, and they'd dig up what we get, and I smacked the dog, give him a spanking, uh, to which, you know, I was very impressed. My older son time to give him a hug and tell him you love him, because uh, he didn't know what a spanking was without an I love you, and that just had to be complete. Uh, but in the midst of doing all that, uh, evidently the dogs had gotten into some poison ivy, and they had rubbed right up against me right here. And so I get this little patch of poison ivy that starts about the size of a silver dollar, and that's right where you tuck in your shirt. And so over the course of the next week, it goes from silver dollar to tennis ball to softball uh, to basketball-sized flaming rash on my hip. Well, I hate going to the doctor as much as you hate listening to a counselor. And and so I just wasn't going to do that. Uh, and, and so I uh, asked my uh, wife, you know, hey, your dad, he's a country boy. Does he have any remedies? Uh, and I thought he liked me. Um, but the remedy that he came up with, he said, all I know to tell him is you can get a Brillo pad and scrub the head off the blisters and then pour bleach on it. Um, And I dislike going to the doctor enough, this is confession, I dislike going to the doctor enough that I would rather scrub the poison ivy and pour bleach on it. And so as I'm writhing in the floor like an idiot, uh, my wife calls our doctor and the doctor's like, tell him to get up, I will call in some steroids and some antihistamines and just tell him to stop. Uh, And so at that same time, we were getting ready to take a trip up to visit uh, my family, and so we're going, this is starting to get better, and, and if, if I'm honest with you, I was an absolute beast on that trip. Uh, 
I was a miserable human being to be around. I was just snipey and snarking and it, it was terrible. And it's one of those things where I'm just like, why am I doing this? And it does not hit me until I'm on the way home. I'm taking steroids. What is the side effect of steroids? Agitation. And so you put antihistamines, which creates this acid reflux. And so you have, it was, duh, you're a counselor, you should know these things. But one of the things that I noticed in the midst of that, nothing bothered me on that trip that wouldn't normally bother me. It just bothered me more. It was my heart on steroids, literally. Uh, and so in that sense, when we look at these things, yes, sleep deprivation and illness and stress levels and other things we're going to talk about in just a moment, they, they do play into this. But what chain is it that they're yanking? It's those overgrown desires of our heart that so easily become distorted. And so when those good desires become so important to us that we're willing to sin in order to get them, uh, one way that we could call that is a ruling desire. When a good thing becomes a God thing. When it's what's going to make life okay. So in that sense, we might say it this way. Godly anger says two things. This is wrong, and it matters. So again, anger is a moral emotion. It makes a moral declaration. Uh, when I say this is wrong, I'm either right or wrong. It can be wrong or it can be a pet peeve. If it's a pet peeve, then maybe it's one of those things I'm going to ask you to honor, but it's not wrong, wrong. But when I get angry, I'm saying this is wrong, and it matters. There's some sense of scale there. And my response needs to be proportional to actually how wrong this is. So godly anger says two things. This is wrong and it matters. And it's right about both of them. Sinful anger says a third thing. This is wrong and it matters more than you. And that's where we begin to cross that line that, that this is what's going to make life okay and I don't care what it takes to make it happen. Now, we might ask the question, where do these kind of desires come from? Because uh, we're not all motivated by the same thing, and we'll get to uniqueness here in just a moment. Uh, but I think we have to start by acknowledging uh, that, in general, the distortion of these desires all come from the same place. The fall. Uh, Genesis 3. Uh, that we sin because we're sinners. Uh, Millard Erickson, a theologian, he says, the Bible's depiction of the human race is that today we are actually in an abnormal condition. In a very real sense, the only true human beings were Adam and Eve before the fall and Jesus. All the others are twisted, distorted, corrupted samples of humanity. Uh, our view of the cause of sin will determine our view of the cure of sin, since the cure of sin will necessarily involve negating the cause. And so everything that we're about to talk about, it, it just aggravates that already chronic condition of fallenness, of sinfulness uh, that we have. But this is where we talk about things like personality type and temperament. Uh, and so if I, you know, you may have taken one of those personality types, lion, otter, beaver, golden retriever. 
uh, when I take one of those, uh, I am a golden retriever beaver. Uh, that's kind of my, uh, my profile there. Uh, it, here is, here's what we often do with that and what I think would be more helpful to do with that. Often what we do with that is we say, this is just who I am. As if all the world needs to accommodate to my personality. I think the more helpful thing to do with that is say, this is what I value. And so, as a golden retriever beaver, uh, I value order, efficiency, and peace uh, more than I value people and fun and that kind of stuff. And that's neutral. That's neither good nor bad. That's in the give and take of life. It has strengths, it has weaknesses, in some settings it works well, in other settings not so bad. Uh, and learning to navigate that is part of me stewarding my life well. And then there's family history. Uh, our homes where we grew up are what we know as normal, even if it was unhealthy. Simply by virtue of the fact that it's all that we knew. And when things are different from what we know as normal, we tend to label them bad, get uncomfortable, and try to change them. And so we're going to have a whole lot of instincts uh, that may or may not be helpful based on where we grew up. And they are, they're that, they're habits, they're instincts. They're what we do when we don't think about doing something. But when we recognize that what we do without thinking is making stuff worse, then part of that aspect of maturity is to say, you know, I've got to define this and name this and become self-aware in the moments that this is happening. Uh, because if I keep living by habit from that broken environment that isn't working well here, I'm going to continue to experience the repercussions of that. And then there's current life situations. Uh, a whole lot of us uh, try to live an overly crammed, imbalanced life and assume we're going to be able to experience healthy emotions in the midst of that. Um, and when you say it that way, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, but God designed our emotions to function in the life as He designed it. And so when we begin to overpack and distort what will fit into life and go, ah, no, the emotions should work fine because uh, I know Jesus. Um, then uh, God's saying, yes, you need to go, Jesus, and you need to uh, live according to the design and the limitations that I made for you uh, as a person. And so, yes, we want to see motive in terms of coming from our heart, brokenness, what are those things that get too big. We also want to look at how we learned anger, both through modeling and practice. Uh, I'll give you a tool here and tell you another story. The tool on the next page uh, is meant to be a journaling tool that if you were to say, uh, if I'm trying to capture my experience of anger in the categories that you're giving me on this nine-step journey that's supposed to be the gospel in slow motion, how would I do that? So here's the story. Uh, when my boys were three and five, uh, we did it before and after this as well, but one of the things that we loved to do at bedtime uh, was listen to the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, and if you've never listened to the Chronicles of Narnia or read the books, I highly recommend them. Uh, if you're a talking animals person, and I am, it is, it's about as good as it gets. 
Uh, and, uh, and so in my mind, you know, Chronicles of Narnia are this fictional world, C.S. Lewis, that gives these great lessons about the Christian life. Uh, and I'm thinking, I'm dad of the year. You know, I'm, I am a great dad. Uh, because here I am at this time when my boys are little, I'm looking for a way and I'm not just doing this really boring Bible study. I'm trying to find something that fits them where they are with characters and sound effects and this kind of thing. Uh, and so every night around bedtime, I felt like a superhuman being. And, and one of the things we said is, look, when the CD player, don't touch the CD player. Uh, well, there was one night where part of the great thing about listening to Narnia at bedtime is you can be brain dead as a parent and still pull it off. Uh, your eyes don't even have to be open. Sometimes we would listen to more than one chapter simply because Papa fell asleep. Um, but it, we, well, I was asleep and I did, didn't take the CD out. Come the next evening and I look and I pull out the CD and there are little smudge marks all over that CD. And I had told them not to touch it. And I stood over the top of my three-year-old son, and I asked him a bunch of rhetorical questions about what I had told him and whether he was going to listen and how much he had ruined this thing that was really nice for us to do. And I felt completely justified in all of it until I heard my five-year-old echo in. And all he was doing was what Papa was doing. And it sounded really different coming from my five-year-old than it did coming from me. And so if I were going to sit down in that moment and say, how do I use a tool like this for a moment like that? You know, under admit, what was the situation? It was me, it was both my boys. There was a scratch CD. Uh, it was really important to me because I like Narnia. It was my favorite one of the books, A Horse and His Boy, which is the least understood. But when you get it, it's one of the best ones in the series. Uh, it was at night, which meant I was tired and I was ready to shut it down. Uh, I was at home. It was the privacy of the home. Nobody was going to see me. Nobody was going to hear me. Uh, how did I react? I was angry. I was louder than necessary. I ask a string of rhetorical questions to a three-year-old which serves no purpose but shaming. I stood over. I'm six foot tall. He was two foot nothing. Uh, I walked away angry just to let it be unresolved and make it feel uncomfortable. Yeah, so we look at our seven tests that we, we put on there earlier. Right trigger? Yeah, maybe. Uh, that's about as good as anything that I'm going to get on here. Right response, no. Uh, duration, no. Uh, controlled, maybe I get a few points there because there was nothing physical. Uh, motive, no. Primed, yes. Effect, no. Um, acknowledging the consequences. Well, what, was, what are the consequences in that situation? I lost an opportunity to model a healthy response to disappointment. Why did God give my children a parent? To help them figure out how to deal with the hard stuff of life. And I blew it. I wasted it. I taught my son that a $3 CD was more valuable than honoring my family. How in the world am I going to lecture him about hitting his brother over a toy after that? The toy lecture shot. 
uh, I placed a tentative atmosphere over a very meaningful time. Now, those things have to be owned. Because those are the things that place those moments in perspective so that you just don't give into the, this is really annoying. Uh, now we got to buy the whole box set again just so we can listen to this part of the story. Um, it, but if you don't own those aspects and you minifies them and focus on the others, we're not going to do anger, right? Motives. Approval was one for me. Image, I wanted to be dad of the year. Control, I wanted to speak and my will be done. And I've said it once, that's all I need to say it, even if you're three years old. Um, religion, this whole I'm a great Christian dad, Christian story kind of thing. Family, um, I'm frugal, so you can put money in there as kind of being wasteful. Uh, pleasure, it was my favorite book, and so of the ones that was going to be up, you know, that one bothers me. Uh, what is true? What is it that I was distorting in that moment? Well, I was distorting the fact that a three-year-old should be able to remember and apply an instruction that was given two weeks ago. Um, I was just denying the fact that I was the one that was asleep and left the CD in there when it was my responsibility to get it out and put it in the box on the shelf to begin with. And I was missing how much I was teaching values through intensity. I mean, honestly, we don't teach values through content. We teach values through our overreactions and our underreactions. And in a family context with kids, that's what really makes anger distorting and bad. Uh, now the next parts here, these will be elements that, that you would be able to journal through and there'll be things that we cover uh, in the upcoming sections. But as you're, as you're trying to track your journey and get that motive element in the middle of the struggle with anger, uh, I think this is a tool that will serve you well.